Well, good morning, GPC, church family and friends. We look so forward to hopefully seeing you next week. We will await that final word, but we are hopeful and prayerful, just as Jimmy has said this morning. And uh, we look forward to seeing you when we are preaching and teaching, <clears throat> rather than looking to the camera. But for one more week, at least, we're in Matthew chapter 13, looking at the parables of Jesus about the kingdom of God. And another parable this morning about a seed. Jesus has used the imagery of a seed again and again and this morning again to communicate spiritual truth. So if you've not been with us, if you're hearing this for the first time, let, re let me remind you. Jesus is using parables as He teaches about the kingdom. Parable simply means to throw alongside. And that imagery is that Jesus is taking a common everyday experience that these people knew and understood. And He's laying that down and beside it He is throwing a spiritual reality, a spiritual truth. And he gives it in the way of comparison, in the way of metaphor, that the people perhaps would have an aha moment and understand something. But on the other hand, he also said he did this intentionally, that those who do not have kingdom ears to hear, that they would be baffled and confused. And so our prayer for each of these three weeks has been that we would have ears to hear what Jesus is saying is spiritually true about the kingdom. And so this morning we look again to Matthew chapter 13, Jesus revealing himself as Messiah, Jesus revealing a profound truth about the kingdom of God, that Jesus is a completely different kind of king than was expected, and so is the kingdom and the power of the kingdom, completely unlike what they expected. So give your attention. Matthew 13, verses 31 to 35. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and nest in its branches. And then he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. And so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Let's pray for ears to hear. Lord, would you reveal hidden things to your people? Would you reveal kingdom things to your people? That we might be encouraged, that we might be empowered 
to be the people of God. We ask this and pray it for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. So big things can come from very small things. Big things can come from the smallest of things. You may recall back in the fall, in September, there was a fire in the state of California. A fire that would be called the El Dorado Fire. It was sparked on September the 5th of 2020 by a pyrotechnic device from a gender reveal party at a local public park. And that fire that began in September would roar and rage for 72 days until it was finally extinguished on November the 16th after burning 22,744 acres. Now think about that. Some poor, well-meaning couple wanted to celebrate the announcement of their child and its gender and a mere spark from their good idea would set over 22,000 acres ablaze. Little things can lead to very big things. And that is Jesus' point in the telling of this parable, these two parables of the mustard seed and the yeast or the leaven. Jesus is communicating about the kingdom of God and the power of the kingdom of God and that it may have the appearance of being small and insignificant, but as we see these parables, we'll see that he says they have a profound, unspeakable power an unknown power to this world that is raging and roaring and powerful. Last week I shared with you a quote from Dan Doriani, and I'll refer to it again to further capture this imagery of Jesus. But Dan Doriani says that the kingdom of God comes gently like a seed. It does not come as an army with brute military force. It does not even come with the force of a club or a hammer. The kingdom of God comes in the power of a seed. He's given us three parables about seeds. There's something to the imagery and the power of a seed that Jesus uses to communicate truth about the kingdom. But why a mustard seed? Of all things, what is a mustard seed and why a mustard seed? Dan Doriani also says this to answer the question for us. In Israel at that time, the mustard seed was the smallest of all cultivated seeds. The mustard seed ordinarily grows into a sizable bush, 6 to 12 feet tall, almost like a tree. And birds could come and nest in it. It was a place of security and safety for the smallest seeming of creatures. And so this morning, two parables, two very short and simple parables, but with profound truth. And unusually for me, our sermon this morning only has two points. And the first is this. The kingdom of God has a mysterious power that results in growth 
and transformation. That seems to be the sum of the two parables. The kingdom of God has mysterious power, almost a confusing, head-shaking power that results in growth and transformation. So the parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. Here's the parallel between the two. Both the mustard seed and the yeast seem to be small and insignificant. They seem to be small and insignificant. Uh, Some of you have seen a mustard seed. Some of you maybe even have worn a mustard seed around your neck in the form of a of a necklace. I remember my sister growing up had a little mustard seed and a tiny little glass vial that she wore, and um, I have since found one of those for my daughter. But a mustard seed, if you've not seen one, uh, picture a grain of rice cut in thirds. It's the tiniest of pieces. It's the tiniest of seeds. And yet Jesus reveals in the parable that the smallest of seeds can produce the largest plant in the garden. So don't be deceived by what appears to be small and insignificant. Jesus says big and great things can come in the kingdom of God through what the world would see as small and insignificant. Also, both yeast and seed result in significant growth and transformation that is truly remarkable. So just as that tiny little mustard seed can produce the largest plant or tree in the garden, so those of you who cook know that yeast has the same remarkable transformative influence on dough. And in the parable of the yeast, Jesus says it's 60 pounds of dough. And I'm not a baker. I grill and I smoke. But my wife will bake a little bit. My children have baked a little bit. And I have tried to have cookies and breads that were not uh, given yeast. And it's a disaster, right? You know this maybe from your own experience. But just a little bit of yeast influences the whole. It transforms it. It makes a significant difference in the product. And that's what Jesus is saying about both mustard seed and yeast. Those small, they result in the kingdom of God in remarkable growth and transformation. The kingdom of God does this with its power. This is the mysterious kingdom power of God at work. When God is at work, the smallest of things can have the largest of influence. So, concerning this kingdom power, I do have three sub-points to go with the two points. But the sub-points are this. That kingdom power of God, it is an unseen power. You don't see its potential. You don't see what it can do. It's surprising. It's astonishing. It's an unseen power. It's an unseen growth. It's an unseen transformation. Now, you may do this in your home, those of you who are parents, or you may have memories of this as a child, 
I have both memories as a child and as a parent. But we created, I guess I created in my shop one day, growth boards. And maybe you have something like this in your home where you measure the growth of your children. And the idea, for those who are able to keep up with such details, is that periodically, maybe every six months, maybe once a year, you have the child come and stand at the growth board and you measure where the top of their head is to see how tall they are. And then sure enough, through the course of time, you see that growth until it exceeds your own. But like your own growth, the children will say, I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't feel any different. And if any length of time goes by, I'll tell you what, here's the, here's the point. When we do gather back in person, the GPC church family will see some of its children for the first time in months. And these comments will be made. When you see babies who have been born or toddlers who have grown, or children, even young teenagers, people will say, oh my goodness, look how much you have grown. Look how tall you are. It's subtle growth. Those within the household sometimes don't really notice it. And it's the other people who see the growth that are astonished by how quickly this happened. That kind of kingdom growth is true as well. God does an astonishing, remarkable, subtle, unseen, unnoticed growth sometimes in His people. That's kingdom power spiritually at work in us as well. Secondly, it's also an unexpected power. The power of the kingdom, as Jesus reveals it, really is unexpected. You never saw it coming this way. You never saw it happening this way. And this is what I refer to, and others have referred in various ways, as the left-handed power of God. Let me explain what I mean, because this week as I got into this, I realized that the phrase, the left-handed power of God, has been used in various ways by different people. There are several different uses of that phrase, the left-handed power of God. It seems to have begun with Martin Luther and the Lutherans. And it meant one thing. The Episcopalians and Robert Farrar Capon has used it in a slightly different way to mean something different. So let me be clear and define how I'm using the phrase, the left-handed power of God. Whereas the right-handed power of God is the dominant hand of strength, that hand that parts the sea, that smites his enemies, that overturns tables and demonstrates his clear and obvious sovereign power to rule and restrain all his and our enemies. The left-handed power of God is the non-dominant hand, the more subtle, the unexpected, even the mysterious hand of God that he uses to equally accomplish his kingdom purposes. It's the unexpected power of the Christ child being born in a manger, in tiny little Bethlehem, 
and making something truly good come out of Nazareth. It's the unanticipated power of His befriending tax collectors and sinners, of His turning the other cheek, or of His calling and using unschooled, ordinary men to be His disciples that would turn the world upside down. That's the left-handed, unexpected, unanticipated power of God. It really is the same thing we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that was our call to worship this morning, where we're told that God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, that He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong, that He chose the lowly things of the world even the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. So in the kingdom of God, God has His own way of doing things. And the kingdom did not come with right-handed brute force in the form of an army. It came gently, it came lowly, it came tenderly, it came with mercy in unexpected ways. And so the left-handed power of God is an unexpected power. We never saw it playing out like this. Just as you would not see a tiny mustard seed becoming the most dominant tree in a garden. We didn't expect that. Just as you didn't expect a little bit of yeast to transform 60 pounds of dough. So that is the left-handed power of God at work in our world. And it is a beautiful thing. It is the work of humility and of mercy and of peace in a fallen world. And thirdly, that kingdom power of God at work, it's an unstoppable power. The power of the kingdom of God, it's unexpected, it's unseen, and and it's unstoppable. There is no stopping God at work. When God is pleased to act, God is pleased to move. When God is pleased to do, He will not be thwarted. He will not be stopped. He is sovereign. He is powerful. And though the mustard seed looks so small, so incapable, you know, a little seed on your patio that falls into the crack, the concrete crack in the slab on your patio, give it a little bit of time and a tree can grow up and split that concrete slab and undo everything because the seed is stronger than the concrete when the power of it is unleashed over time. That's this mysterious power of God, the kingdom of God in the world. You never saw it coming. You didn't expect it to be this way. But it is an unstoppable power of God at work in our world. And eventually, over time, that small mustard seed grows. It becomes the most prominent, the most dominant tree in the garden. So much so that the birds of the air perch and nest there. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 which was in our reflection this morning. We were told there by the prophet not to despise the day of small things, 
not to despise the day of small things, which is His way of speaking to this kind of kingdom power of God at work. When we live in a world that tends to despise small things, if it's not big, it's not good. And you can even hear it in our own language. People who will apologize about the small school that they attend. Oh, it's not a big school. I just go to a little small school in a little small town. I'm from a little small town. Very insignificant. Probably don't know where it is. And they said the same thing of Jesus of Nazareth. And yet God has always thrown history, throughout history has shown it matters not whether it's small. It matters what God is doing in it and through it. The power of God at work. So we had better not be a people who despise small things. We recognize that what matters is, is God in it? Is the power of God to work through it? And if so, God bless the small things. Uh, some of you maybe think, well, my life is just a small little life. It doesn't amount to much. My influence is small. My reach is short. Well, I'd say don't be so sure. Not if the kingdom of God is involved. It has far-reaching implications that you and I do not have eyes to see. That is the power of God at work. And similarly, the yeast totally transforms everything that it touches. And so it is with the gospel, so it is with the word of God, so it is with the kingdom of God. As the yeast works its way through the dough, it is transformed. And so may God be at work in us and through us in this very same transformative way. Which leads me to my second point, which is the kingdom of God and mustard seed growth and yeast-like transformation in you and in me. It's the kingdom of God and that power for mustard seed growth and yeast-like transformation in us. Let's apply these two things. Bring these two points together. There is an equally unseen, unexpected, and unstoppable power at work in God's people. That power is growing them. That power is transforming them. It's the mustard seed in you. It's the yeast in you. It's the power of the kingdom in God's people. It is a power of being born again. Now we heard about this from John chapter 3 several weeks ago. You must be born again. And that is how the kingdom extends. That is how the kingdom reaches. That is how the kingdom grows. But you must be born again to have this kingdom growth, this kingdom transformation in you. And so the first application as we seek to apply this to each of us is this. Is there any evidence of mustard seed growth in you? Is there any evidence of yeast-like transformation happening in you? Is there any evidence 
of having been born anew, born again, a different kind of birth into a different kind of life in you. Jesus says that's what the kingdom will do when it comes. When it reaches a sinner and invades their heart, it will grow like a mustard seed. It will work in and through that person like yeast in dough. And so the first question is, have you ever seen this at work in you? You must be born again. And then secondly, we're told that the kingdom of God, it's not merely words or philosophies that we're talking about. It is truly a power at work spiritually within a person. Also in our reflection this morning, we heard from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God comes not in words, but in power. It's not a matter of talk. It is power. And remember the, the larger audience that Jesus is speaking to behind the scenes, it's the religious leaders, the Pharisees who in their own way seem to be a lot of talk, a lot of words, a lot of explanation, a lot of understanding on the surface level, but no real power, no real change of heart, no real change of life. The kingdom comes not with words, not with talk, but with power. Now, I know we live in the Bible Belt. We live in the South, and we're all Christians down here, right? The kingdom of God comes in power. It is not a matter of words and talk. It is the power of a changed life, of mustard seed growth in a person, of yeast-like transformation in a power. Are you a Christian in talk and words only? Or have you seen the power of God changing you and transforming you, redefining your passions, your pursuits, your focus, your interests, your pleasures? It's what the kingdom of God does in a person. And thirdly, the parable says that this dominant, prominent tree in the garden as it grows, you finally see the significance and the beauty of it, and the birds of the air are drawn to it to perch and even to nest. Now let's think about that imagery for a moment. I don't know a lot about birds. But I'm pretty sure that when they seek to perch somewhere, and certainly when they seek to build a nest somewhere, they're looking for safety, security, for a sure thing. And as they're flying and they see this largest of plants, it appears to be a tree in the garden, that's going to be home. They see that that is the safe ground. That is the place of truth. And they are going to go, they're going to be drawn to the beauty of the tree, the strength of the tree, and they're going to perch there, they're going to build their nest there. Because it's safe, it's good, and it's right. Have you been drawn to the king and the kingdom in such a way as to say, I'm perching here, I'm nesting here, I'm not building a nest anywhere else, I'm building my nest and perching where I know the truth is found. That's what it is to be drawn to the kingdom of God, to see it for what it is, the place of truth, of security, a place that can be trusted. Where are you nesting? Where are you perching? 
Where do you think that you have found something worthy of building and perching upon? It's the kingdom of God or it's nothing. And then fourthly, in the way of application, I want you to hear that this truly is our vision for all of us at Greenwood Presbyterian Church. That we would be a people who know mustard seed growth. We know that yeast-like transformation. We know it firsthand. We know it sincerely. We know it as individuals. Our families know it. And that's what we're praying for. That's what we're longing for. But not just for us, but for larger Greenwood. Greenwood all around us. That they might see the kingdom that they might see mustard seed growth, that they might see yeast-like transformation. And just as the birds of the air are drawn to the tree, so they might be drawn to the truth. That's the desire, that's the vision, is that the kingdom of God would come in its power, that it would do its work, and that the birds of the air would be drawn to it. I'll close with this. When I was in campus ministry, RUF cemented several truths in my heart, in my mind, and in my ministry. And the very first one, which you've heard me talk about already in my few months here, and I hope you'll always hear me talk about it, but it is what we call presupposition number one, top of the list. That is that God is at work. We know it to be true. We presume it to be true. Everything that we do presumes that God is at work. Well, what does that mean? That means that the kingdom of God is at hand. And in God's own way and in His power, it is advancing. And He is calling a people to Himself. And He's transforming and changing a people through His Word when He's pleased to. And that power of the kingdom of God at work, it is an unseen power. You can't bottle it. It's an unexpected power. You never saw it coming and playing out in the way that it does. And oh, it is an unstoppable power. The power of God's Word preached, of the kingdom advancing, the transformation that results in the lives of people from the gospel. That is our great confidence. That's what we believe. That's what we live for. That's what we pray for. That God is doing this mysterious and powerful work in His people. He's growing them and He's transforming them. Have you experienced this in any way? Have you seen it in other people? It is a beautiful and powerful thing. I'll close with this. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. I've modified it only slightly to make it read maybe a little easier to our ear. But listen to this, and I think you'll be able to see it on the screen. Concerning this God at work in us and this transformation and this growth that He does, C.S. Lewis says this, We have not the slightest notion of the tremendous thing that God intends to make of us. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, you think you understand what He's doing as He fixes the drains 
and stops the leaks in the roof, and so on. You knew of those obvious problems that needed repair, but then he starts remodeling and transforming the whole structure, knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and that does not seem to make sense to you. What on earth is he up to? He is building quite a different house from the one you thought yourself to be. He's building a new wing here. He's adding an extra floor there. He's running up towers and making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage. But he's building you into his palace. The power of the kingdom of God at work in you. Do you believe this? It hurts to grow. It hurts to be transformed. Oh, but the end result of God at work is a new creature, a new creation, one beautiful to Him, one useful to Him. And this is the power of the kingdom of God at work in us. Let's pray that it would be true. Our Father and our God, would You work in us in this same beautiful, unseen, unmistakable way to grow Your people, to transform Your people, that the power of the kingdom of God at work would be known by each of us in our church family, whether young or old. We ask this and we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close in song and we're going to sing a familiar hymn from Martin Luther, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. But as it connects to the sermon and the power of the kingdom of God at work, pay attention to the third stanza as we come to it, where we're reminded that it is with one little word that our opponent, our great spiritual enemy, that he will fall. That, when we sing that, we're singing about the power of the king and of his kingdom. One little word will drop God's enemy. Amen. Let's sing together.